I just want to say today we are doing a big question series. Um, we, we, first of all, I just want to uh, thank everyone who participated in sending those uh, very difficult questions for us uh, to be able to answer and shape this series. Uh, from today, we are taking a pause from uh, the Savior series, which is taken from the book of Luke, and now jumping straight into this great series, uh, which is called uh, Big Question. So in this series, um, we will be preaching six mini uh, sermons over these uh, next three Sundays, which means each Sunday we are going to answer two big questions that you guys have asked us to, to preach on. Um, as we preach these messages, what I want to uh, tell you this morning that you'll have an, we're giving you the opportunity to take the pen and paper and write down all the questions maybe that might come up in your mind while we're trying to answer this question. And then at the end of the sermon, we will offer you an opportunity, like 10-minute opportunity to ask those questions for more clarity or clarification uh, around this topic. So since we are preaching two mini uh, sermons this morning, uh, between the, the, the sermons, we are going to have 15 minutes break, uh, for a comfort break for either for you to go to the bathroom or get a cup of coffee or a glass of water. And then before you come back and hear uh, the, second, the second message, uh, are you guys okay with that? So we're going to make sure that we don't uh, take much time. Um, our aim for, for this series is not trying to be clever, or, but to guide, um, to guide each other, to, for, for us to be able to guide each other. I don't want to, for me to say to guide you, <laughs> but to guide each other uh, through the Word of God um, around all these big questions that you guys have asked, uh, or maybe the questions that you might have that may come up in your mind. So... But today it's my great joy that I'm kickstarting this sermon um, by the, this series by uh, answering this first question. Um, and straight after our short break, then Mare will answer uh, the second question. So our first question for this morning that you guys have asked us is this. Are we truly once saved? Always saved. Although this is a very difficult question, uh, but this is a very good question that you guys have asked us. The answer um, to this question, or maybe for me to be able to answer this question, I would like to start by giving you one straight answer and say, yes, it is true. One saved, always saved. And then the rest of my sermon today, I will spend the rest of my time unpacking the truth that we find from the Bible that is supporting this statement. Brothers and sisters, the Bible is clear, is very clear when it comes to this question, that once you become a genuine child of God, it is absolutely impossible for you to lose your salvation. The reason why I say yes to your question is because of these three points that we're going to tackle this morning. The first one is that our salvation is eternal. And John 3 verse 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever, 
whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. I want you to notice something from this verse this morning that God never put any limit to our new life in him. He didn't say whoever believes in him should not perish until he or she falls into sin or walk away from God. But the Bible says whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. This promise of eternal life is not from a certain church or maybe from a certain pastor, but this promise is coming straight from God. I like what Charles uh, Spurgeon says. Charles Spurgeon says, the church does not determine what the Bible teaches, but the Bible determines what the church must teach. Because sometimes we can say in our church, this is what we say. Or maybe my pastor, he says this. But what we want to believe in this church, we are a Bible-believing church. We want to believe what the Bible is saying. The Bible says you will have eternal life. I know the answer um, to this question might not sit well with a lot of people maybe in the room, especially the religious people. The religious people, I'm sure they are thinking in their hearts, no, this is not fair. <laughs> this is not fair. Especially if you are that kind of a person who thinks that salvation is end through your works. Once you drop the ball, you are out. You, your salvation is forfeited. Because we think salvation, relationship with Jesus is like our relationship with our boyfriends and girlfriends. So like, as long as I'm doing well, then my, my boyfriend or girlfriend will love me. But if I drop their ball, it's over. I get a short letter with it, the golden cup is broken. But it's not like that with Jesus. Because our salvation is not according to our performance. Brothers and sisters, what is more important is to believe the truth from the word of God rather than what we think or feel is good to us. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 13 says, I write these things to you so that you may know that you have eternal life. I have this reason that I write this down so that you have this assurance that you have eternal life. Jesus wants us to have no doubts when it comes to our salvation and eternal life. That is why he wrote it down in his word, in his Bible. And then the second thing, another thing about once saved, always saved, is that it is not a license to sin. Some of us misinterpret Romans chapter 5, verse 20, in a very wrong way. When it says, now the law came in, uh, came in to increase the trespass, but when sin increased, grace abound all the more. But I want you to get something from this verse that it doesn't mean that you must keep sinning because grace will always increase. No, no, no. But this verse simply means that although law serves us as a mirror where we can be able to look at ourselves and see how sinful we are, but there is no amount of sin that can be above God's grace. That's why Isaiah 1 verse 18 says, Come, 
Let us reason together, says the Lord. Even though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. Isn't this an amazing? That there's no amount of our sin that can be above the grace of God. Which means, even if you came this morning, you feel like you are more sinner than anybody else. But the grace of God is sufficient for you, even this morning. In 1 John chapter 3, verse, verse 5 to 9 says, You know that he, Jesus, he appeared in order to take away sins. And in him, there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. And no one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or know him. I like that verse 6 because it says, if you are still beckling, or maybe you are still keep practicing the sin in your life, the best question that you need to ask yourself, am I really saved? Have I really seen him or grasped what he has done for me? Do I really know him? Did I really have a personal encounter with Jesus? Or do I really have a deep relationship with him? Because the way we live will determine, or maybe will, will show, the Bible says in Matthew 7, you'll know them by their fruits, if they really genuinely gave their life to Jesus as the Lord and Savior. Because the Bible says here, there's no one who abides in Jesus who can keep on sinning, who can practice sin. Doesn't mean that you won't be tempted, but when you are tempted, how do you respond to that temptation? But if you give in to that temptation, or maybe it becomes your habit in your life that you live, it means that you need to check the seed that was planted. You need to check if you were really saved. And then verse 7 continues and says, Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous, and he is righteous. And whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. Sorry, it's not me, it's the Bible. Anyone who ever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. And the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God practices of sinning, makes practice of sinning. There's no one born of God makes practice of sinning. For God's seed abides in him, and he cannot he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. So the reason why we, we don't sin, we don't practice sin, is because we have been born. We have a new seed in our lives. We have been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Now we have a new king that we serve and we obey. And again in verse 9 says, The real key is your birthright and the seed that was planted because that is what determines your eternity. In Romans chapter 6, verse 1 to 4, it says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized in his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of, of the Father, we too might walk 
in the newness of life. We have a new life. We are a new creation in Christ Jesus. That's why we are expected to walk. It means that there is no way that you can receive a true regeneration from sin and then go back and live there again. What makes our once saved, always saved possible is that, number three, he is able to keep us. If God, through his strong hand, was able to save us from our sins, we didn't contribute anything. We were walking in our own ways according to Ephesians chapter 2. But God, rich in mercy in verse 4, he saved us by his mighty hand. That means he is also able to keep us. Listen to this doxology from Jude chapter 1 verse 24. Jude chapter 1 verse 24, it says, Now to him, talking to Jesus, who is able to keep us from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. Jesus saves us, he keeps us, and he presents us blameless before the presence of his glory, which is eternity, with, with great joy. This is amazing that he is doing all the work in our lives. And part of our justification is him. Part of our sanctification is him. Part of glorification is him who presents us. There's no part for us there. In John chapter 10, verse 28 to 29, it says, I give them the eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. This is what Jesus says. And my Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, including yourself. And no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. Have you noticed the repetition in these in this verses? These two verses, we are in God's hands. The key is to get into God's hand. Once you are in his hand, no one, the Bible says, once you are in Jesus' hands, once you are in Father's hands, no one will be able to snatch you away from the Father's hands, including yourself. If you are genuinely saved, sorry, you can't take yourself away from him and from your Father's hands. Unless you can claim that you are stronger than God. That you, if you're wrestling with God, you always win. But you never wrestle with God and win. Sometimes we always tell people that God will always speak to you in a very small voice. But if you harden your heart, it will increase the volume. It will always increase the volume. Sometimes you will say, but God wants to get your attention because he wants to show himself that he's strong. He's got a strong hand upon you. And then... Um, the last verse in this, uh, number three, John, John 6, verse 38 to 40. All that the Father gives me will come to me. You remember in Ephesians chapter uh, 3, he's talking about that where uh, God gave, um, appointed us before the foundation of the world. And then he says, those that the Father will give to me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. And this is the will of, the, of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of the Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and who believes in him sh should have eternal life, and I will raise him up 
on the last days. And then the last verse in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6 says, I am sure of this, and I'm confident of this, that he who has begun the work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. We're talking about the day of Jesus Christ, talking about the second coming. But in lending, in conclusion, I want to conclude with this. Number four, that salvation is a gift. A gift is not like buying something from the shop on credit. And then when you fail to pay back the money, then they can come and repossess it. That is why Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 to 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith of God. This is not your own doing, but it is a gift of God. Not a result of your works that no one may boast. Our salvation, brothers and sisters, was not a result of our works. It was a gift of God. So if it was a gift of God, it can't be our works that can cause us to lose it. Because we didn't get it by our works, so we can't lose it by our works. We, get, we, we receive it by grace, so that is why everything is only by grace of God. But I want to land with this question to you this morning. If salvation is so free and eternal, what is holding you back from putting your faith in him? If salvation is so free, it's only by grace of God. If our sanctification is only by the hand of God that keeps us from him, what are your fears? What is holding you back from giving your life to him and accepting him as a Lord and Savior of your life? I think I've done even less than my 15 minutes. That's great. So um, remember the things that we spoke about, that our salvation is eternal, as all those verses were saying. Our salvation is not a license to sin. Our salvation, we're not standing in our own strength, but we're standing because we are in God's hands. He is the one who, who keeps us until the day where he's going to present us before the Father. And then it's only a gift that we need to receive because God is going to do his work in our life. But remember what I've said, that if maybe you're still struggling with, with, uh, with sin in your life, I think you need to check the seed. You need to check if you are genuinely believer in Jesus. Or maybe you, you followed the church because your parents were coming, or maybe you were coming because your friends were coming. Have you ever made the right decision to say, Jesus, come into my life? Because if he came into to your life, he is the one who will do the work, not you. Amen.